Good evening. Today is December 12th, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is We Agnostics, and our speaker tonight is Hannah B. Thank you, Hannah. Hi, Hannah B. from Tennessee, recovered compulsive eater. Um, Oh, I'm just, I'm like going to cry right now just because I'm so grateful to have this fellowship and you guys. Um, and I say this a lot, but when I um, came into the rooms of OA, um, I finally felt like I had come home. And that was after 17 and a half years um, in program, working a program, but not in OA. And I didn't know I needed to be here <laughs> and I prejudiced the heck out of it. And I was like, Psh. um, and I said I was a recovered bulimic, um, because I hadn't purged in 17 and a half years and my disease was very subtly progressing. And, um, one day without asking my permission, it just took me and it took me down and I just, I just was desperate and God heard my prayers that I had been praying for the last 17 and a half years. And, um, he said, okay, honey, it's time. And, um, you know, I, I just, I have so much gratitude because you guys are my people. You're the people that understand me, you know, and I can get on these meetings and I can even get on these meetings and just sit with you in prayer and be held by you when I can't be alone. Um, when I don't know how to be present with the feelings that are running through my body, because I am almost eight months completely abstinent for the first time in my life, or maybe since I was like little, little, but I was already dissociated. And um, I, you know, just, um, it's just, it's just a miracle. So um be agnostics. Um, I love this chapter. Um, I did my first step two about 19 years ago, and it was probably the, the most difficult step for me. Um, when I came in, I came in through another program and I was very, I was very much a shell of a person. I didn't look the way I look right now. I looked scary. I was like, I didn't want you to talk to me. I had facial piercings. I had short black hair, like, um, and I didn't know who I was. I was so lost within myself, you know, and I did, I had a really powerful transformation through this work. The second step was like, <clears throat> It was the hardest one because I was pretty convinced that, um, like I was going to hell in a handbasket and that was just the way it was because I was bad because I couldn't, I just couldn't make a choice and stick to it, you know? Um, and I really believed I was suffering from like a moral issue. I didn't understand this disease, but once I figured it out, you know, and I, and I saw step one, um, I was able to sort of soften into this. And so the order of these steps are really kind of remarkable. And like, just to recap, like they take us through, like they really like build to this point in we agnostics before they like hit us with it. I feel like, you know, because like, first of all, Dr. Silkworth says, you know, we're suffering from an illness 
you know, which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And unless we have this entire psychic change, you know, this soul change, this transformation, this deep and effective experience, then we're pretty much just guaranteed to not recover. You know, we're going to either have the psychic change and get well, or we're not, and we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Um, you know, and then in Bill's story, he really gives like this good amount of time to his and thoughtful, like it's the most, it's my most favorite part in Bill's story is when he talks about his step two experience. And he says, you know, he, he says, when Ebby said to him, why don't you choose your own conception of God? He says that statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. And like that statement alone just blows my mind more and more because he was living inside like caged in sort of this prison of his own perception, you know, and we suffer from an, uh, this disease is an illness of our minds and our perception. And all he had to do was open that door. Once that was unlocked, he was able to step into the sunlight. It was literally one thought away and he was free. And that blows me away because this is what happens. And this is what in my experience and my understanding now is that this diseased thinking, when we believe it and we have a closed mind, which is the opposite of an open mind, you know, we stay in these warped perceptions and we stay in bondage to this disease and diseased thinking, you know? And so the beautiful thing about this step is it asks us to honestly ask ourselves, he says, you know, we, you know, don't let anything deter you from, I think, honestly asking yourself what these terms mean to you. And so like the only thing that really matters here is honesty, you know, and that was really scary for me, like to really get honest and look at these things. I didn't think I was allowed to question these things. Like there was like this dogma in my brain of like who God was, you know, and I really believed in God. And as a little girl, I really believed in God and I, I loved God. And I was very drawn to like the mystics and these beautiful stories and these miracles. And they were just so magical to me. And I was like, wow, but God really was like far away. Like I, I remember being a little girl and being really scared. There was something that happened. That I remember it was really scary. And I remember sitting there when I was eight years old and I looked up in the sky and there was the sun shining. And I was like, I remember talking to God and saying, I know you're there. Like, I see you. I see you seeing me. Please help me. But that's how far away in my mind, God was for me. He was not underlying the totality of things. He was not holding me as I understand he does now, you know, whether I'm good or bad, I'm held, I'm kept, I'm loved. Right. But it took me a minute to get there. And so that was my perception based on my experiences as a child and, and based on what I witnessed other people believing. And, um, as a result of information and data improperly processed through the mind of a child. And so that was my conditioning. Um, and you know, um, you know, they go on to like prep us, like just how hopeless we are, right. That we're powerless. Um, and, and like that we are really suffering from an illness, um, that like all our human methods 
and attempts have failed, at least mine did, um, and attempts to control to the point where I'm just so deflated and defeated that I'm like, okay, yes, I see my condition, you know, and then they recap and they're like, once again, <laughs> um, what do they say here? Um, you know, they recap in we agnostics, you know, um, and they tell us again, that only a spiritual experience can conquer this illness. Um, and then they start to talk about doubts and prejudice. So for me, it was really helpful to look at my doubts and my prejudice. And, you know, my first experience was really looking at those and really seeing what those blocks and obstacles were. And I know not everybody does that. Um, and for some people, this experience, I think, really can be much more simple and just like, OK, do you believe or are you willing to believe? Yes. OK, let's go. And that was not my experience. Um if that is your experience, like that is so wonderful. Like I'm so, that's like such a gift, you know, for me, I had, for whatever reason, I had so much sifting I had to do to get clear. And it really has continued for the last like 20 years or 19 years um, of really continuing to honestly ask myself and continuing to like evolve and have my beliefs and my conceptions and, and, and my experience like evolve, you know, and, and for me, like it really has to evolve because the spiritual experience has to, um, because this disease is progressive. And so I always have to stay ahead of it, you know, and I really, um, I really can't get locked into thinking any one thing and like stay in that place. Like it has to continue to expand and evolve. And the beautiful thing about this program is that's what it really asks us to do, you know? Um, and, you know, um, my first step, my first second step was like very valiant. It was like, I mean, I was going to like classes and asking nuns questions and breaking down scripture and like just sort of not wanting not wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, and then like, but wanting to like be honest and just sincere, you know? And so I really had to sort of, um, meet myself where I was at with all of it, you know? And, you know, when I came into OA in, um, at the beginning of the, the pandemic was when I came in, um, I had a whole new experience, you know? Um, and most recently when I worked the steps, um, about so seven and a half months ago, um, or eight months ago, I went through very quickly and it was still surprisingly, and this, this evolution of this experience. And I, and I found this time it had to be so simple because I was so defeated. I was like, why am I still struggling? You know, why, why is, why am I still dominated by this? And I, when I looked at it, I really saw that I, I still had a good amount of doubt. I was like, I so believed except for this, this one little thing. Like I didn't believe that God would actually restore me with this, you know? And I was like, because I hadn't been restored yet completely. And so the truth of my step two this time was 
God, I'm just willing. Like it wasn't this valiant, like, like elaborate conception of like who God was and all this. It was like, I'm clear, but like, I'm just, I had to just be willing to believe that I was going to be restored. It was just like, I had just this hope and that was it, you know? And so I really had to surrender in that. Um, and, you know, again, lay aside any doubt, like be willing to just lay it aside. And it begs us to lay it aside. It's like talks about it quite a bit in here. It says, you know, um, yeah, it, it begs us. I can't find it where it is exactly right now. You know, and do I now believe, or I'm even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself, you know, and, um, a hundred percent, you know, because the alternative, um, is that I'm doomed is what this book tells me. And, um, that's, that's just, I just, I am doomed and that's my experience, you know, and unless, I can honestly meet myself where I am and sort of take myself by the hand there, wherever that is, I'm, I've found that I, I leave myself behind. Like I can want to be over here, you know, where somebody else is and be like, Oh, but if, if the truth is, is that I'm not there, then I can't try and be there or that's dishonest, you know? And that's, that's an essential really of this, is this program is like honesty across the board, you know? if the truth is, is that I have doubt, then I have to meet that doubt wherever that is, you know? And, um, um, you know, like it says, it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. You know, it's like, wherever I am is good. Like God will meet me there. And part of this process for me has been just sort of being like humbled again and again, into this like sort of docile childlike state where I'm just like, okay, um, I don't know. I've been like, you know, super entitled and arrogant here thinking I know. And here I am. So I don't. Um, and so this really led me to a place of having an open mind. And when my mind became open, I could let go of any of these old conceptions and or perceptions and, and ideas that just were not working. And a lot of my old beliefs were really just the face, like human characteristics, just sort of like this mask I had on God. You know, I was putting, you know, these human traits and characteristics. Like, I mean, our parents are like, it's a terrible job. The, the job of parenting, like nobody tells you, by the way, your job is to teach your kids who God is like, nobody tells anybody that. And like our children and as children, we're totally reliant upon our parents. Like they're our first example of God. And it's interesting to look at that because like, I didn't realize that I was viewing God the way I viewed certain things, like the, my experiences with other you know, authority figures or parents. And, um, these are just very human, you know, characteristics. And my experience is that, you know, God just, he, his ways are not my ways. Um, the spiritual path 
at first was a little bit alarming to me because it was pretty counterintuitive to the material path. And in disease, like I am very much like, let's go material all the way because everything on the outside is going to hopefully fix me because it's a real quick fix and I can see it and I can see it. Okay. And everything else was a little like elusive and like, but I can't see it, you know? Um, and I love the examples in the book. They talk about like, you know, how we'll readily like throw away like an old gadget or piece of technology that doesn't work for something that does, you know? And it's like, you know, if, if you have, um, an iPhone that breaks, um, you're not going to like every day, year after year, keep trying to be like, hi, maybe my, maybe if I keep pressing the same button over and over again, it'll eventually turn on, <laughs> you know? And that's like interesting to look at. And as it relates to our conception of higher power, it's like this idea of this power that we're not willing to trust. So we have to stay reliant on ourselves. Um, it's not working yet we maintain this perception, you know, and we don't budge there for some reason yet, you know, your iPhone doesn't work. Like you better believe you're making an appointment at the Apple store, like ASAP to get yourself a new one or get it fixed because you're like, I can't live without my phone. You know what I mean? Like that's your lifeline. So it's like, um, you know, and I think like, it's pretty logical when we really think about it, you know? And, um, <laughs> um, my, um, like, you know, my God today, like has so much, uh, respect for my will. Like he so deeply respects my will and allows me the dignity to continue to make whatever choices I make. Um, until I get to this place where I'm willing to accept. And so, you know, one thing I saw along the way was that it, it wasn't like, it wasn't about, you know, like God not being like, not giving me what I wanted or, or, or hearing my prayers or answering. It was like, I either wasn't willing to like get quiet and sit and listen, you know, long enough to hear an answer to these desperate pleas. Um, or I, you know, I just, I wasn't, um, I wasn't willing to accept and receive help because I was blocked you know, and as long as I was, in the food, as long as I was in the food, I was, um, I was, I was blocked. I was blocking myself from this spiritual experience because I was going after this pseudo spiritual experience. Um, and so I couldn't access that power, you know, cause I was like settling, I was settling. Um, and so, you know, um, the step is just so important because it's the foundation of the rest of the steps. It's like the foundation and the cornerstone on which we're going to build this spiritual structure and this arch through which we get to pass a free man or woman, right? Like we get to walk through this arch. And it's kind of like if you have a building that's falling the heck apart and there's cracks in it and the windows are busted out. And it's like, okay, we can just keep on patching it up, hammering it up, like plastering the cracks. I had that happen to a house once. Um the, the owner sold it to us and didn't disclose that it had foundational issues. And so actually what happened was 
about six months in, these cracks started appearing up the walls and they got bigger and bigger. And we were like, oh, good Lord, what's going to happen to our house? And it turned out there were massive foundational issues. And so the house was like, it was like not saveable. And so I could keep like, you know, boarding up the, you know, windows and hoping I was going to stay warm at night and safe. But like, if I don't level this building and start over, and that was actually the only solution for that house was to completely like level the thing and start over, you know, and build it from scratch and it correct the issues at the foundation. And so if usually, you know, if, if these things aren't addressed, um, did you, Chanel, did you say two minutes? Was that two or 10? Or whoever was timing? It was two. You have, you have, um, we're down to about 30 seconds now. So yeah. Okay. I'm okay. Thank you. Um, you know, if I don't, if I, if I can't address this, then how am I going to take a step three? Because it's not logical or sane or, um, you know, it, for me to turn my will in my life over to a power that I don't trust. Right. And so I have to be at least willing to believe, you know, before I can even think about taking that step. Um, and so, you know, this is a, this is a big chapter. Um, and I, you know, I, I hope that I did it some justice. Um, because really it could go, this talk could go on for hours. <laughs> um, so thank you. And I will pass. Thank you, Hannah B. That was just beautiful. And you're beautiful. So thank you so much. Okay. Well, the hands are flying up already. So um, the first hand I see is Chanel. Oh, wait a second. I'm supposed oh. to read something. Sorry, oh, okay. I'm so excited. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. And I will call on the raised hands in, in the order that I see them, and you will be asked to unmute. Would our timer please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when their time is up? If the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, so the first hand I see is Chanel. Hi, I am still Chanel and I'm still a grateful compulsive eater living in a state of recovery by the grace of God today. And I'm out walking, so I'm off cam, but um, Hannah, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm sorry, I did tell you 10 minutes, but I don't think I said it in a way that you heard me. So I apologize, but I didn't really want to interrupt your flow. I wanted you to just keep going, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but I, I was thinking about what you said, many things, but one of the things that really resonated with me tonight is, you know, you knew there was God. You, that wasn't a doubt for you that there was a higher power, and which is a wonderful thing because a lot of people don't feel that. And I have been there in my life where I definitely did not feel there was a higher power because if there was, why do all these things happen to me and to others, right? But um, so I didn't really have that hope. 
But in program, I believed. But the problem was I didn't believe. I believed he could. I, I, I call my higher power God. I believed that this higher power could restore anyone to sanity at any time. But because I still lived in this addiction, I still have this compulsion. I didn't believe that God would restore me to sanity. I didn't even believe that I could ever be abstinent for more than five minutes. And I'm not joking. I didn't think that. And what my sponsor said to me, because I came in on my knees so desperate, I would have stood on my head, which I don't know how to do many years ago since I, many years since I've done that. But I just was desperate enough. And she said, are you willing to suspend your disbelief long enough and just act as if and work the steps like your life depends on it? See what happens. And I thought, well, what are my options? You know, <laughs> otherwise I'm just going back in the food and I know what that's going to do. So that's why I did that. And I'm really grateful. And, and I'm so grateful to you for many, many things. I get to talk to you on a regular basis and I'm glad that you shared this with everyone. Thank you. That's all I have. I'll pass. Thank you, Chanel. Gail? Hey, everybody. I'm Gail, compulsive eater. Um, fairly new. I've been coming to this group for about a month, and I love it. And, oh, my God, that was such an amazing share. I took notes. Um, the first thing you said, Hannah, that, that really hit me was um, the term prisoner of perception. Um, that, that brought me back to, I don't think we're allowed to talk about outside literature, but William James had a big influence on Bill Wilson. And he talks about that. He talks about turning over the rock, you know, flipping it. And I too was a prisoner of my perception, particularly when it came to understanding a power. I think there's a Zoom bomber. Um, in here, iPhone, oh, it keeps changing names. Anyway, so And Gail, thank you. Go ahead. Oh, hey, thanks again. So I, I also wanted to talk about, you talked about simplicity and, and building a new foundation. And I fell down laughing when you talked about the house. I thought we were the only screwy family that had built a house on, um, on swampland, actually. And it got to the point where the foundation was actually going up like a hill and to get from the living room to the kitchen, you had to go over the hill. Um, but anyway, for me, I had to get real simple. Like, like you said, um, my home meeting was a step three meeting and I had to go back to step two. And for me in the beginning, again, because I came in in 79 religious believing in a God and then after several tragedies, I didn't believe in a God, and I was a card-carrying atheist and made a point of it. And then um, 
I had to go somewhere in the middle and I had to start simple. So for me, the higher power became the process of the steps. You know, a lot of people talk about group of drunks or good orderly direction. But for me, it was the process. And taking step three was allowing the process to occur. And I could build on that. And I could co-create with that. I heard that term in these rooms, co-create. So I just wanted to speak up because I like this meeting so much. I'm usually exhausted at this hour, but this was such a great share. I wanted to thank you. So night, everyone. Thank you, Gail. Hank Haney, forgive Hi. me if I'm massacring your name. No problem. Hi, I'm Honey, uh, compulsive overeater. Can you just... Really happy to be here. I haven't been to this meeting in a while and it's always been a really nice meeting. Um, thank you so much, Hannah, for your service. Uh, there, Yeah, there was a lot of things you said and, you know, especially like what really stuck out to me is, is you talking about like that disease thinking. And, you know, I, I still struggle where I can't tell the truth from the false, you know, and um, and I just think that like that disease thinking is just me, you know, um, and it's, it's painful. It's painful because it's just comes from such a, a voice of, of selfishness and self-pity and all these things that just don't serve me anymore, you know, and, um, and those, those are the thoughts that make me want to run back to the food, you know, that like needing that like quiet of mind and that ease and comfort. And, um, you know, I, I have a different solution today, you know, and yeah, that voice is not as loud, but every now and then it, it creeps back up, you know, and um, I'm just grateful today because that voice used to be the one running the show all the time, you know, and um, today I can't be the one directing the show and, and I have to let that go and, um, and be reminded of that. So, you know, thank you so much for saying that out loud today. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or share.